Hey, quick note before we dive into today's episode. I made something for you. It's a mega, truly mega spreadsheet of all of the current marketing tools that I cannot live without. Not only are they sorted by category, I made sure to do a little color coding in Notion, but I also include a few sentences on how I use each tool so you actually have context. And these are some real, truly game-changing tools that have really transformed how I run my business. So if you want the free download, I'd love to share it with you. Head to the link in the show notes. I really hope you love it and find it useful. It was good for me to just get everything on paper so that I can share it with you guys. Now let's get into today's episode. You guys know those moments when you meet someone and you realize that that person is supposed to be a friend of yours, but you didn't know it until you recorded a podcast episode or met them. That's exactly (laughs) how I feel about today's guest, Grace Blacksey. She is the founder of Quench Collective and she is a rock star. You guys, I've been following her on social for a while and I'm so excited to get her on the podcast today to talk all things community. Community is like such a hot topic right now. If you run a brand, you're probably thinking about how do I incorporate community as part of my strategy, but there's a lot you need to know and a lot of things that you shouldn't be doing in order to make sure that you're really creating a space that's authentic and true to your brand and your brand's values. And Grace is so successful in building communities. She's just really thoughtful about how she thinks about building communities. I have no doubt you're going to learn a lot just listening to this episode. Also, if you're really used to just going to Facebook for Facebook groups or Facebook communities, there are a lot of exciting platforms that are popping up that are actually supporting the community environment. So a lot of people don't have Facebook accounts anymore. A lot of people have just gone rogue off social media. I love that, by the way. And there are a lot of platforms now that realize this so that communities don't have to be entirely reliant or dependent on places like Facebook or Instagram, which is great. We love that. So I hope you guys love this episode. Grace is now, I mean, I'm going to call her a soul sister of mine. I don't know how she would feel about that, but I just adore her. And I think she's just so knowledgeable about this topic. So I hope you guys love it. And let's get into the episode. To create a community, I think what I what I set out to do was like heal myself after being so burnt out in corporate and like wondering if there was a better way. And then also having worked with so many different type of leaders, wondering if there was a different way or just maybe more support for leadership for women specifically. I worked in a lot of arenas where there were men and women. I I, I will say I had more women leadership than men than male. Um, But yeah, you don't typically set out to create community. However, what's really interesting, and even what you were saying about mostly having, you know, product-based business owners, et cetera, um, small business owners who are perhaps raising money and creating, you know, movements or, you know, something tangible that you can touch, which I love. Um, I, I think that the, in some cases, they're realizing that community is everything. Creating community is within their, whatever they're doing, whether it's sparkling water or whether it's, you know, um, a nonprofit. I mean, the, the essentialism of creating community in that, like, is I think one of the most important things. In fact, the data is showing us that it's a huge miss even for, 
um, you know, corporations. And there's a big difference between membership and community, right? Like Taco Bell has a membership. Do they <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, they do. I, I mean, it's on another level. Like people, right, are looking for reoccurring revenue left and right. How can I reoccur revenue? But if we don't, if we don't help people realize in some cases, like, I mean, let's take that example just for a minute. Taco Bell actually has this huge community, right? I mean, it, in, at the end of the day, how many people bond over the fact that they're like bringing back a Mexican pizza? And the only way I know that is because like I was a it's huge scary. Taco Bell consumer. And in, it's true. Yes. It's, it's true. <laughs> yeah. And you get the ads. And so you see that, you know, whatever it may be. But if the, the miss to me, and no matter how small or large the company is, is that when we're focused on me over we and how we can actually kind of, you know, you create this vision when you are a business owner, you have a vision, even if it's for a product-based business, it's like you see a gap even and you're like, okay, I'm going for it. And I'm very passionate about it. When you can create community around it, the brand affinity, the, um, I mean, the value that it creates is exponential. And then talk about, you know, if you really are a business owner who is going to create something then to perhaps sell it in the future, that makes the value go up tenfold. And so I think it's just about, in most cases, like I said, people have community, they just don't realize how they can leverage it. And it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, and so we kind of like here at Quench, it's like walking the walk and talking the talk. And we kind of fell into the online business space. Of there was these so many women running businesses online. And I realized that they were more disconnected than ever. Um, it, and now we have the full spectrum of, of women. We have online business owners and we also have um, we also have none. And I think that's really important too, to pour into both sides because Sure. I mean, I don't think the answer is always leaving for entrepreneurship. In some cases, there are a lot of women who are sitting in cubicles or sitting at desks and in boardrooms who still need community. Um, and in, in, more, in more specific terms, what we're really doing is helping them um, become more whole leaders in what they're doing by way of surrounding them by other women who believe in that. And therefore, that is the community that surrounds them because it can't just be about work all the time. It also has to be about, you know, us too and how we pour into ourselves. Yeah. So when you were on the corporate side, where did you, when did you get the itch of there was something more out there? <laughs> it was like the most physical itch in the world. I mean, it was to the point where I'm sure everyone can relate to this, but you're like, why do I have this pounding headache every day? Or why am I addicted to caffeine or, you know, whatever the thing is. And it's just like, oh, it's because I'm commuting two hours a day or, oh, it's because I, I can't remember the last time I used the restroom because I'm just so, I'm in this constant state of stress. For me, it was a very like physical thing. Um, I had worked in um, events and marketing for a very long time. And at the, I mean, even as a little girl, I was like, I want to plan the, um, the Super Bowl halftime show, you know, that kind of thing <laughs> that felt like it was, it was kind of like, I explained it as like this bigness, if you will, I'm using air quotes, like that I wanted to feel and also create. And so when I got tapped to come in onto the corporate side of, um, events, I was like, Oh, this is it. This is big. I'm working with fortune 500 companies. I'm working with these brands that when I go to a family gathering and I tell my grandma, she knows what that is, you 
you know, versus these smaller things that I was doing before. And so therefore societally, quote, I was like the seal of approval. Oh my gosh. I mean, when your grandma actually knows what you're talking about, what a win, (laughs) right? Especially as an entrepreneur, you're looking back and now I'm like, who cares? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So I, I, the itch was there because I was slowly deteriorating and people around me could tell I was more irritable than ever. I was just, I mean, they, they were like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Holding it together, you know, but I knew the minute that I felt that I could not identify with anything, but that job that it was time to go. And it was, you know, maybe more of like a internal, maybe intuitive, can't really explain it feeling inside, but it was necessary. And also the fear of getting caught up in that, like forever. I looked at people who had been there for super long and I was like, are they really happy? Like, are they, you know, what is this? And so that was really the call. It was physical. It was definitely probably emotional, maybe even a little bit like quote spiritual in the sense of like, you don't really know why, but you're going. And I knew it was time to get out. And were you planning for a while to leave or was it just like spur of the moment? I'm, I'm out of here. It was kind of spur of the moment. It really was. It was like, I I think I felt the urgency around like, if I don't do this now, um, I might never do it. And there was debilitating anxiety around it. Debilitating. I'll never forget when I left, I like sitting in my little, you know, 900 square foot apartment, looking at the wall and looking at my computer, like I should be like, why is, why am I not in my inbox? Like, why is my computer? What am I like? What am I doing? This is just like, I should be busy. I mean, I, I mean, I I realized I had a complete and total addiction to busyness. It was just, Mm. I mean, it was, and again, it was debilitating. So, you know, through, through lots of therapy sessions and, um, reflection and stuff. I mean, it took so long to, and I can even feel like when those feelings pop up, like when I'm not taking very good care of myself, when those feelings come up for me, I'm like, okay, you know, like this is a sure fire reason to step away even more and just like take some time. Um, but it was, it was pretty swift. It was pretty quick. And now grateful for that. I used to think like, maybe I should have tapered myself off, but it was, I had to rip the bandit off. And what were the building blocks like of going from corporate to then being like, okay, I'm starting my own thing. Here's what it's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's such a great question because I think it was probably the least calculated thing that I've ever done, especially as like, right. I think a lot of women can probably, well, maybe relate to being like, yeah, like this high achieving, you, you entered this corporate world as this high achiever and you're constantly, it's just like this, again, it's maybe it's like even that addiction of just moving forward and gaining and gaining and gaining and growth and growth and growth. And I needed to kind of figure out like, what is right here right now? Like I had such a skewed view of reality. It was just so, um, I mean, I couldn't even, (laughs) I felt like it was floating constantly. It was just like, I had to ground myself down. And so believe it or not, I mean, community, I always say like, is the thing that kind of saved me. It, It was just that it was community that grounded me down. It was the fact that other people were going through what I was experiencing too, and maybe even hadn't left, but had more perspective on it and, or had been in corporate, been dealing with similar things, had worked through it and stayed. I mean, there's not a wrong or right answer to that. Again, and sometimes it's not always fleeing your corporate job, but it is, I think, so necessary um, to kind of take that time to like reconnect with self. So that was like step one for sure. It was like, who who am I? Who am I without being this 
this person? Like, what am I going to tell grandma the next time I see her? You know, it was like kind of that sort of thing. And then it moved into, okay, what does the next step look like? If I really am going to move path, past this and move move on, what do I, I do have an opportunity. I was able to see that. I, I've been given time, which we often are not gifted. <laughs> that is something that is not the case. Um, and what do I want the next step to look like? And I realized that I wanted it to be, I wanted to pour into something that also poured into me. And mm. I was like, I have no idea what that is though. And so, okay, I'm, you know, identifying what it is. And then I think the next block was digging into, um, when opportunity would arise around me, I would say yes, because I kind of went into this trial or er- trial and error mode of like, I'm I'm going to, you know, I mean, not events, but like if anything else came up around consultancy or whatever it was, I mean, from a big business to a small business, to a nonprofit, to wherever I would say yes and see how it felt and really dig into it. Like, okay, what if I was here for a while? What would that look like? What would that feel like? And then the actual going in and um, being integrated into those trial and error pieces, I think was the next step. And that was the step that really revealed, okay, it's actually not that you want to be plugged into any one of these specifically for a long period of time, but you want to pour into all of these because I really liked working with all those different business models. And I liked working with all that those different types of marketing and how they required my my brain to do a lot of different things. I was on a one track, um, I was on one track for so long. And that's when I realized too that each and every one of these industries had something to contribute to the other. And they had something to learn from each other. And the only way to do that is to put them in the same room and to put them at the mm. same table. And that's when I realized like, it's community. It's the thing. Like I can help them shore from the strategic standpoint, but they can also help each other so much. So that's really how it went. Yeah. I've never broken it down like that before. (laughs) (laughs) And when you're, so it's interesting, I feel like as business owners, because we have to handle both the strategy side of things and then also the marketing side of things, right? There's a lot of marketing that comes into making people aware that this is the thing you're doing now and spreading the word. What was that like doing both of those things almost in tandem? Or were you just like, I'm going to have people come to me first based on my network and then grow from there? That's a good question. I'm not even sure that I perhaps had a strategy at first. I think because in that trial and error mode, I was saying yes to what was coming my way. Um, And I was grateful for that because of course that's not always the case, right? Um, And I think how that then integrated is that you know, what I, what I did really intentionally decide to do was just share the journey to share the journey. And I think that when you share the journey of what's going on in your world, and it wasn't like this big journey of like, watch me rise from the ashes of being, you know, it wasn't like that at all. It was just kind of like, (laughs) I'm working with this person and this is some cool stuff that we're working on. And what I realized was this and getting curious and also asking questions and listening to people. Um, That was huge. And I think that especially, you know, six, seven years ago when I started this, people were so hungry to be connected. I mean, now it's easier than ever, but before, you know, even like our algorithm kind of came into play in such a big way, it was much easier to connect. And so, um, yeah, I think that from the marketing perspective, it was about 
sharing and showcasing what was going on around me. And I think that people really loved that because it wasn't super calculated and meticulous. It was just that it was like, oh, wow. Okay. She's on this journey. And she's also, you know, I really believe in like that, that power of invitation of inviting people into your journey and inviting people into your world, inviting people into your community. And Mm -hmm. I think when you do that and open the door, like this isn't just me experiencing this thing. It's kind of like all of us experiencing this thing at once um, because we're all impacted. I mean, think of like one of your favorite follows, let's say on Instagram, like, do they make you feel like, like you're along for the ride? The answer is probably yes. They probably do. Right. It's not just that it's about them. They've kind of like somehow done somehow, some way done something to, to make you feel a part of whatever they're doing, whether it's remodeling a house or styling an event, you know, whatever the thing is. Um, and I think that is the thing that really set um, set it all apart was, was that just inviting people into the journey. And that's really hard too, because that also requires a level of vulnerability. You were almost like ahead of the curve in doing this, but I know for a lot of people too, it's still a lot of businesses, a lot of brands. I work with clients who, and I've partnered with brands on TikTok before who have very stringent still brand guidelines. They're almost scared to take the leap of being more vulnerable, having it feel more organic. So mm-hmm. how, because that is such a big key to building a community. What is your advice for people who are almost scared to let people in and invite people in because they're also nervous about being vulnerable? Mm-hmm. There is this line, right? In around like I think that people I think that people sometimes forget how much agency they have, um, how much power they have in the sense of like you do not have to share about something that is well, let's say, let me actually start with this. Vulnerability, I think, is this sliding scale. And vulnerability is almost like a practice. And I feel like the more that you practice becoming comfortable with your own vulnerability, that it is much easier to then share from like an external perspective. I think that like vulnerability has very much this internal external feeling to it or even experience. And so when I've always kind of said, I mean, I will say it's so funny after the past two years, I know I'm like, I think I'm actually an introvert. I've always, always like, I'm an extrovert. I'm an open (laughs) book. Ask me any question and I'll answer, you know, but that is also because when someone asks me a question, I can ask them a question back and I can learn more from them. But a lot of people aren't built like that. And that's okay. You don't have to be outgoing. You don't have to be like that. You don't have to spill your guts. Like, I think that's important. And I also think that people confuse vulnerability with spilling your guts. Like, I don't think that is, that's, that's the confusion there. Vulnerability can just be that you're showing up as you like, you know, I think one of everyone's favorite TikTokers is Elise Myers and how Mm. she like shows up and so many people talk about her hair, right? How she's like, she throws her hair (laughs) on top of her head and like, that's vulnerability. I mean, sure. Her storytelling is too, but like even just allowing people to, to, to let her, to, to see her for who she really is. And she doesn't feel like she has to do X, Y, and Z. That may not be you. You're like, no, no one's seeing me without mascara. It's just not, it's just not happening, you know, or whatever it may right. be. And that's okay too. But where's just like everyone needs to define their own version, like define what success means to them. I think you need to define what you're okay with from vulnerability and then share from that point of view. And so, yeah, I think that it was, um, extremely important also to say that like, yeah, I just left my corporate job. 
I have more anxiety than ever. And this is kind of how I'm dealing with it. Now, could I have left out the anxiety piece and not talked about the mental health aspect? Absolutely. But it's also something that's like deeply important to me. And I feel like we also can't talk about vulnerability without talking about values because I think that people, you know, it's like that fear of, oh my gosh, I've said too much. Mm-hmm. If you are showcasing from like a values point of view, it's never going to feel like that because- Oh, that's such a good point. I never even thought about it that way, but that's so true. 100%. And our values are always changing, of course. It's like what I valued five years ago is probably so different from what I value now, but that's definitely it. And like something I value deeply is connection and community. And so in order to really, truly connect with people, sometimes we we go deep and we ask some questions that are, you know, not always comfortable. And, you know, I just want people to remember that they always, they have- control of that lever. And I think that's important too. But what happens when we're vulnerable and we share is that we're able to connect with people on a different level. And so some people think, well, how is sharing about my mental health contribute to my business or selling a product or whatever it is? It's like, that's just it though, is because you have Hmm. made the made the choice to be more vulnerable, you therefore have created trust. And it's not a sales tactic by any means. Again, I think it's all about how are you inviting people into your world and or in some cases into the conversation. Wow. That's powerful. Um, We need to talk about what you do because I want everyone to hear (laughs) how you've been able, I mean, really, when you think about a few years ago, six, seven years ago, you were really ahead of the game in a lot of, in a lot of respects, because right now I think a lot of founders and people are starting to realize that community is so important, but tell people, tell listeners a little bit more about, uh, your day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I know. They're like, what is this girl talking about? This like community (laughs) and vulnerability stuff. So, um, I am the founder of Quench Collective, which is a community and online education platform for modern leaders and entrepreneurs. And the reason we say modern leaders and entrepreneurs is because of just that we believe in the entrepreneurial journey wholeheartedly. And we also believe that there are women sitting again, like I said earlier, in cubicles and desks and boardrooms that have a ton of influence and a ton of leadership that also need support. And so we, we really want to help women do business differently and be really rooted in realness from the sense of who they surround themselves by to the conversations that they have, to the education that they consume. I think that that's something that's so important. And I feel like you know, with women, it's like societally for so long, we have, I mean, just look at the journey, right? I mean, it just, it speaks for itself of like how far we've come, but also that we've never, and are still maybe not even given the ability to truly design our businesses around our life, not the other way around. You know, like, I think that that is something, well, I know, you know, that's our mission, of course, like that's what we're working towards. And even of course, if you don't have a business, but you are in another realm, I think that you have the ability to do that. And that takes, you know, again, communication, who's on, who, you know, who are those people in your corner? Um, where do your boundaries lie? You know, that sort of mm. thing. And so we have that community side because we believe that you, that's something you constantly, you know, need to pour into. I know I do. Like I literally created this community because I was like, I need, I need a community. Where does this live? <laughs> um And so that is, you know, really the heart of it. And then we have the education side, of course, where we have programs where if you want to dive deeper and fine tune skills or whatever it may be, you have the opportunity and you have the resources and the tools 
right in front of you. So my day-to-day looks like running our membership program, um, running those educational programs, um, doing things like this, like having just very real conversations with people. And um, our future, you know, future casting is our hope is that you know, I, I don't know I'll ever be able to shake that event side of me is definitely creating space too. And so our hope in the next few years here is to also create some physical spaces and bringing people together because I mean, well, <laughs> like if I've ever underestimated that, you know, that's, that's the most powerful thing I think that we can do. So until then we'll continue to do stuff like this, but we um, are excited about that aspect of it too. So cool. Yeah. I love how unique of an idea it is and also how needed these things are. I definitely celebrate getting people together in a community and giving them just a safe space to chat. Like what are some common questions that you see pop up right now for entrepreneurs and modern leaders? Yeah. Like in the realm more specifically of creating community, you mean? Creating community or just in general, like what's on everyone's mind right now that you're seeing kind of like from a trend perspective? Oh my gosh. The spectrum is, is huge. I feel like, um, it is, there's a lot of conversation around content right now and around marketing. There's no question about it. Of just like, how do I come become more visible to the people who I need to become more visible to? I think that's like, what's wonderful is we're turning a corner of like, we're not needing these like 10K blue checks, like, you know, these sorts of things, these like indicators, external indicators of success. And so I think people are realizing that in a very loud world, that connection is everything. And so if we can connect with people on that level, then that's then I should say on a more intimate level. So whether that means like through more email campaigns or through, you know, DMs or through whatever it may be, even again, like in some cases I created a physical product so I could actually put things in people's homes and then therefore be able to connect with them on a more regular basis because they're perhaps reordering this product more often or, you know, whatever the thing may be. Um, we're talking a lot about that too. And the ever-changing landscape, especially we're talking a lot about video, of course, and what that looks like. And we're also talking a lot more than ever about boundaries. For example, a few people um, shared in the membership this week, they're doing, I mean, such cool stuff. And I get so excited again. This is, I think, why vulnerability is important because I'll see someone in our membership share something on Instagram. I'll go back and say, make sure you share that membership because this conversation is mind-blowing. For example, we had um, someone just do an experiment where she she took a month off of social media. And I mean, this isn't anything new, right? But the takeaways from it of how she was able to kind of like restore these fragmented pieces of what social media had pulled away from her were so, so, so important and how she's coming back with a completely different light and much more boundary time as, as a mother, as an entrepreneur, um, as a physical and service-based product um, owner. I mean, it's pretty incredible. And also how she's looking at outsourcing and delegating. I mean, I think that is so huge. Another thing is we're seeing is people are actually putting office hours on their social media time, like very publicly on their profiles for people to know this is the expectation when I am online and not, I am not here all the time. Like online, like social media? Yes. Yes. Like I am online between 6 and 7 PM on Monday through Friday, you know? And so like, that's when you're going to hear from me and, or that's when to ask questions and, or that's when, you know, whatever. It's like such a departure from what we're used to or even just the pressure of what we feel like we need to be doing. Yes. The, 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 the pressure. I mean, imagine just like, think about that, like in the sense of, oh my gosh, I just put, I just enforced a boundary. Like I really believe that boundaries are 
so much less walls than they are maps. They actually give people like kind of this roadmap or blueprint in how we work. And so that's why they're so important. Like people are, especially women, we're so afraid in some cases of boundaries, although we know they're very necessary, but the conversation Mm -hmm. is more like, I really need boundaries versus I have them and I'm enforcing them. And so it's so interesting with that conversation around the office hours. I mean, when, when this woman shared that information, my mind was just like, Wow. I mean, wow, because you're giving your, you're writing yourself the permission slip. And then you're also, I mean, we, what do we say all the time for a great client experience or user experience, right? It's like over communicate, over communicate what the client can expect from you. I mean, that's like case in point right there. So really cool stuff. I mean, I think that, you know, it's boundaries. I think that we're also, of course, the conversation around mental health is always there. We have so, especially as entrepreneurs, I think things change so quickly for us that we're, and that's the beauty of it is they, is it can, and we don't have a lot of red tape to go through as like, you know, a bigger corporation or organization would. And so we can pivot on a dime, but what does that mean when we're constantly pivoting for our mental health? Um, I think that's something that's so, so important, of course, I mean, that conversation's ever more and will, and will continue on, you know, forever. Um, but yeah, the marketing piece has been huge lately. And I think it's just because we're trying to kind of find our footing, of course, in this ever changing world. Yeah, absolutely. What about for entrepreneurs who are listening, who like, we're talking about Taco Bell before we're talking about all (laughs) these brands who are dying to create communities. And maybe we're just in a little bit of community overload right now, or maybe we're not, I'm not sure. But for brands listening, it's almost like there's a fine line between starting a community that feels authentic and actually provides value versus just starting a community because it's the thing to do right now. So what advice would you have for entrepreneurs in the community realm specifically? It's such a great question because we never, of course, want to come off performative and, or we never want to, you know, be like, I'm just jumping on the trend here of what everyone else is doing or what I heard from a podcast or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. So I always love to give this example of, um, the brand Coco kind. I feel like they've done a really good job over the years. They hit Through this, the floss. Right? They, um, they, that's another brand, but that is a great floss. I use that. Floss. Wait a second. It's fantastic. Okay, Coco kind is skincare. Wait, Coco kind is face. Skincare. Yes. <laughs> Okay, sorry, okay, sorry, no, sorry. I know, I know. Yeah. Lots of cocoa. There, I mean, coconut yes, is lots just, of cocoa. What a great yeah. care so product. It's so hot right now. <laughs> it's yeah. so hot. It's not going anywhere. It's such a good thing. Yeah. Um, Let's just hope those coconuts are being sourced, you know, ethically. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, Coco Kind has been around for a very long time. It's owned, it's an AAPI owned business, women led and run. It's really fantastic. And I mean, they've been around for, for years. And now, of course, you can find them on the shelves of Target, Ulta, Sephora, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they, the thing that they did before they ever, I mean, I think the beautiful thing is they were kind of just really growing one building block at a time. And you'll have to excuse me because I don't know where they stand with fundraising at the moment. I'm, I'm not totally on the up with that. Um, but something that I noticed that they did was they just started creating relationships and they had kind of these, like maybe, you know, for lack of a better term, like these cult falling on some of their products. And they were like, well, these aren't going anywhere. We're just going to improve them and make them better. And then what happened is because they had such a dedicated community is they were able to take that dedicated community who who was using 
nothing else but their products and ask them like, what do you really want? What do you really need? And so like, for example, they're having this big moment with SPF right now because they're realizing let's also, I mean, I'm 34 years old. SPF is a big thing in my world. You kind of have that like realization after your twenties, mm-hmm. like oh, after this- you're like throwing on the tanning oil, you're like, wait oh, a second. I mean, the tanning <laughs> beds that, I mean, just all oh of it. Gosh. I can't even think about it. It's just, it's, it's terrible. I so, I mean, the SPF thing, for example, I, 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 I I don't know this because I have not asked them, but I can almost, you know, 99.9% sure that they have used their community to ask those really important questions. And for a company that started from square one, I think with little to no funding, they were able to make these really calculated decisions um, in in leveraging their community. I mean, because so much about community is right? With community, we are giving people an opportunity to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel loved, to feel cared for. And I think that because of that, because it's like we listened and now we're able to deliver that community, it just runs even deeper, right? And then the other thing that you have is these, the other thing that's created from that is like these natural street teams, right? You have these people who are just at brunch on the weekend or on, on, you know, out for their the next bachelorette party they're at or whatever. And they pull this really, you know, beautiful packaging out of their bag. And what's that? And it starts a conversation, you know, and they did it in this very nonchalant, wonderful way of they started with community. Now, if you are a brand that has not started with community, that does not mean that there's not an opportunity for that. I think that I'm going to pull on a buzzword here, but I think that the thing is, if you're going to integrate it, which I absolutely think that you should is do it authentically right? What does that mean? Right. So what I, so when I say integrate to community authentically, I mean, if you don't know who some of your big players are and purchasers are, and let's say, let's say you run your business, um, you're running ads, um, on Facebook and Instagram, and you have maybe a larger following on Instagram, or maybe you don't, maybe you're still growing that. Um, if you are not following and interacting with some of the people who purchase your products on a regular basis, that's a huge miss right? If you aren't even just sliding into their inbox and saying like, instead of just this very automated message of your opinion matters and we'd love you to give our product five stars. It's like, we actually are, are hosting this thing where we did this, this Zoom call where like we've identified you as someone who like, we want to know why you keep coming back and buying this product and we mm-hmm. want to hear from you. And so what does that look like? You know, of course, like big corporations, they, they pay for companies to do this, but you have the opportunity to do that. You have the opportunity to listen. And again, just that putting them in a Zoom room, giving them a voice and an opportunity is, is huge. I mean, that's just a very little example, but how, when you have that, and then also the language shift, it's not about, it's not about I, it's not about us. It's, or I should say it is about us, but if you're from a brand, like if you're in a, you know, a product-based business standpoint, it is about we, like we are in this together. Like the people who drink this sparkling water, the people who put on this SPF, like we wear it together. We consume it together. We are a part of it. I mean, there's of course a million different strategies, but I think that the heart of the business has like, if we sure we look at them as our consumers, our purchasers, but if you go deeper than that, they're your community. And the more that you mm-hmm. quite literally a make the mindset shift and B that you change the language. I mean, it changes everything truly. Okay. So I have a question about sure. that. So I love this. I love what you're saying. Also, I love how you're flipping the idea of, of what people think community is on its head a little bit, which I want to get to in after this question. So 
when you're inviting people in you've identified them as a key player in your business, whether sure. they're a repeat customer or whatever it might be, do you feel like it's important to have some kind of incentive for them to participate or is it better to just say, Hey, I've identified you. And that's more, that makes them feel more special because we've had people on the podcast before who've said like, Oh, I'll just give them a gift card or I'll do this. And we're, I feel like the line maybe gets blurred with a brand because are the consumers, these like players, are they asking themselves like what's in it for me? Or is there a way that a brand can reassess it so that it's not so such a monetary exchange, but it really feels more special than that. Mm -hmm. That is a wonderful question. It's something that I think people are thinking, but never been asked. So I'm glad that you asked it. Uh, I'm going to answer that from two points. I would always go into it knowing that if someone is a ongoing purchaser of your product um, and or service, that they probably already have a certain level of brand loyalty and it would make them feel so amazing just to be on a call with you and like have a conversation and for you to just listen to what they have to say, right? It's not about you presenting or putting on anything. It's just listen to them. Um, and then also really cool stuff, especially when you do it from a group perspective, they're in the room with other people and you see them agreeing, oh my gosh, yeah, that's my favorite flavor too. Or that's my favorite product. Or this is the thing that I didn't like about it either or whatever the thing may be. So do you have to No. if you have the, like, especially if you are starting up and you're like, gosh, I don't know that I could do that because I don't have anything to offer them. No problem. Still do it. Don't let that hold you back. Now, if you're like, yeah, I can absolutely offer them the nut butter that we sell or the, whatever the thing may, may be, then by all means, like if you guys could all drop your, um, you know, addresses, we'd love to send you a jar of this or a can of that or whatever it may be. 100. If you have the ability, yes, because the point is, is that if you're really leveraging what they have to say, your business will grow, your community will grow, and one day you will be able to do that. Um, mm -hmm. For example, even, I mean, this goes from big to small businesses. There is a local coffee shop in town that makes my favorite matcha in the world. And they um, reached out to me and said, hey, we have a photo shoot coming up and we'd love for you to be a part of it. Could you join us this time, this place? Oh my gosh, of course. I mean, me, me, of course. Yeah. I would like, love um, to. Okay, celebrity status. Oh my gosh, I felt. I mean, like never in my life have I felt like that. I was like, absolutely, I can go and hold a few croissants for you in my hand or whatever yeah, the thing exactly. was. Right. I mean, there was. I, I was just so thrilled to be there, and of course, it worked with my schedule and didn't need childcare. You know, whatever the thing was. Of course. Yeah. Right. And um and the fact that they saw me, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. They, of course, let me take a drink home with me. And at the end of the photo shoot, they did hand over a gift card to me. And that was the most unnecessary thing, I will say. I would have still loved them, paid full price, gone back, done the thing. It was <laughs> not expected. I And I will continue to go there and talk about the experience here. You know what I mean? So yeah, of course. Know that it's not necessary. I think it is um, very, very kind. And if you have the ability to do it, but know that it, that, that, getting people in a room, hearing them, seeing them. And then maybe it's even, again, give them a follow on Instagram and just kind of keep up with their world. I mean, like whatever that looks like, or say thank you. Like my biggest pet peeve with brands is that, I mean, it, it can get a little much, of course, with the big followings. But when you have someone um, tagging, you know, like when you take the time to tag someone like, oh, I'm trying this new, whatever it may be. And they just double tap and heart that. And they don't, I mean, it is such a missed opportunity to not just say, yes. hey, look in their profile for 2.5 seconds. Hey, yeah, Sam, can you just try? Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Get that first name. Say thank you. You don't have to pull them back. But like, I mean, it's just these tiny little things. Again, first name is good too. When someone says your first name, it's so silly. It's so simple. And it really is, um, what it's like the, um, what's the Dale Carnegie book? Oh, I, how to win friends and influence yes. people. It's <laughs> like, like a point, I think. And yes, <laughs> I think it's a point in that book where he just says talking about or saying someone's name is like immediately creating that connection. But it is true. When you say someone's name definitely helps. So yeah, it's like a simple gesture that you can do. What about when it comes to platforms and communities? Because I think this is another big question. Mm-hmm. You talk about DMing someone one-on-one and that could be a community focused mm-hmm action that you take. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of people, including myself, we think of communities as like you start a Facebook group, you start Mm -hmm. a XYZ group on a circle, you know, circle platform, or you have an Instagram group. I don't, you know, whatever it might be. So how do you define community and how can brands almost rethink what community could be for them, what it would actually look like? Oh gosh, there's like, I get so excited about this because there's so many cool opportunities that I know people aren't even leveraging already. I will say this. I think there, there is a little bit of, um, let me give you some examples of like product versus service based. And I think that they can be integrated. And I think we're actually, that that's where we're moving towards. We're going to see more of that. Um, but for product-based business, what I would say is that utilizing the platforms that you are already on and really, you know, for example, if, if Instagram is your biggest platform and that's where you run ads and et cetera, like really hone in on that and go all in on the, on your community there, whether that's following them back, whether that's, um, you know, again, that, that more personalized DM, like I look back with some brands that do this really well. And it's years of back and forth between God knows how many social media managers they've had, but like, that's part Mm -hmm. of their brand value. And so we've been communicating. I have no idea who I'm talking to. It could be the CEO. It could be a social media manager. It could be an agency, but they see me and that makes me feel good. And every single time I see that product, I buy it because of that. Um, and so I will say, uh, meet your people where they're at from a um, from a product standpoint. Don't reinvent the wheel necessarily. I do think that we're going to see more products moving over to more community focused platforms. Um, probably not like a Slack channel, but yeah, like a Circle platform, etc. That's where our community lies. I know that you're on a couple too, and it's so powerful and so wonderful. And we are seeing the increase in the community management market has gone up tenfold, which has just been really, really wonderful. And you're getting people that are coming from the from worlds like marketing, like events, like sales, like user experience that can really create these really unique experiences. The other place with product-based business owners to look for creating community is events. Um, in a lot of cases, I feel like, you know, we have event budgets and stuff of where we can contribute to bring our product to places, but I feel like sometimes a miss, and I think this is just because of bandwidth and capacity is that they're not always inviting people out to those events, like just because they're a sponsor. But again, when you make the effort to be there, you have an opportunity to be on the ground floor with your people. So like if you're at, for example, I've been to natural food expo a few times and that's so cool because you're meeting these CEOs and these people and like whatever it may be. But like the fact that I got an, I got an invite to an entrepreneurial event in the, and it was maybe maybe not just as big, but it was pretty big. And there wasn't someone there on behalf of the brand, but they were a sponsor. Um, that's maybe a miss because again, you're on the ground floor with your community. So I think events, um, 
meeting, and then whatever platforms you're currently on, meeting your people you're at for product-based business owners. On the other side, for our podcast hosts, for our service-based, you know, um, entrepreneurs, I think absolutely yes. Slack, the my my favorite platforms to go off of. Again, I think it's also very important meet your people where they're at. Like if your people aren't on Twitter, don't create a community on Twitter. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that Circle is by far my favorite, without question. I I wholeheartedly represent that platform, and it's going into many. And also, oh, sorry, yes. really quickly for people listening, we'll put that in the show notes yes. because maybe for some people who don't know what that is, it's like basically I think circles they're taking a lot of brands that have started their community on like a Facebook groups, mm-hmm. and they're creating a hub. So for people that don't have Facebook accounts, people that don't have social media accounts, like what you're saying on certain platforms too, they can transition them over. Exactly. And a huge reason, for example, we took our community up and off Instagram and, or, you know, even we had like a Facebook group, um, it was because to get them offline, you know, and I should say, get them off social media because of course circle is still Mm -hmm. located online and there is an app for it. But even if you're someone who, you know, you're like, you know, I don't go on social media during the weekends or I don't, you know, whatever it may be, or you're, you're, you're really enforcing some boundaries around that you still can and be a part of those communities. Um, I think an email, strategy is extremely necessary when you do have those platforms. Um, I have like lots of thoughts around that. I think directly bringing community because a lot of the times, for example, if you're paying to be in a community and if you're feeling like, well, I'm just, it's a busy season for me. I'm not like logging in and I can't keep up with all these comments and stuff like that. That's okay. That's not what community is about. It's not about keeping up with people's comments. It's about, you know, we have a weekly email that goes out, for example, and I'm sure you experience this in communities too. And it gives people the roundup of here's everything that's here's it here here it is at a glance. You decide what you can be a part of, what you what you don't need to be a part of, and also like I can kind of maybe it even just sparks conversation. Maybe you don't even sign into the platform, but it's super helpful. I think they go in tandem, and they absolutely need to be taught and showcased that way. Um, I think a Slack channel is good, depending on like for example, we have a lot of people in our community who did not who did not come from corporate backgrounds. Like I know I Slack that mm. was my whole corporate background, so yes. sometimes like Slack, and also it's a little overwhelming from them, and or they use it already for their internal team management. And they're like. Yeah, if I could just get Slack off my computer forever, that would be wonderful. (laughs) So we don't put them on there. It's so true. There's like opposite ends of the spectrum with Slack. Totally, totally. And you know, Facebook, gosh, I, I really, I will say like my projection from like being in this community world is that Facebook is great. Facebook is free 110%, but people are so distracted and so bombarded with other things there. Facebook Mm -hmm. has dumped a ton of resources and monies into their um, group's platform. However, I I just see people wanting more, especially depending on your demographic of who you're serving. So I would say really consider those things. Um, Also, free communities is very real. Community, remember, like, Communities and memberships are two very different things. And I believe that like you can have a membership, but if your membership doesn't have community in it, you know, that's that's definitely a miss. But like it works for Taco Bell, <laughs> you know, yes. that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What advice do you feel like entrepreneurs need to hear right now? Uh, if you could pick one thing. I think that because of the noise. And because of everything that we have kind of coming at us and that we're dealing with in all external, like just our lives and our businesses, et cetera, is like, trust the process, trust yourself. 
like really leaning into that. I feel like we kind of are always looking outward to someone knows more than me. And that that is the case. There's a million books. I know I have about 10 books on my nightstand right now that I haven't read and I can totally beat myself up about that. Or, I mean, I would definitely, um, I would, I would definitely say that I would say yes to having this amazing conversation with you over, you know, putting my nose in that, that book for 15 minutes longer. You know what I mean? Like I, I think when we prioritize the things that matter most to us, I think that's everything. And if we could just be a little bit, um, a little bit more easeful on ourselves and have a little bit more grace, I think that would be everything, but that comes with self-trust, trusting that like what I'm doing is enough the time that I'm spending on this is enough. Um, this will happen in due time. Like, I think that's so important because we can always create more businesses. We can always create, we can always make more money, but our time is so finite. And so it's really is one of those things that I think the, that it absolutely entrepreneurship requires such deep self-trust and we tend to put that to the side and look more outward. And I think it's so funny, like when I talk to entrepreneurs who have been in business for 10, 15 years, it's like, I should have just trusted myself more. I should have just trusted that I was doing, and it's not to say that you have the answer to everything. I think definitely pull on your community and ask questions and et cetera, et cetera. It's just that trust that, um, the decision that you're making may not always be the right decision, but you're making it, you're making it with two feet on the ground. And that's just going to bring you to your next step. And so if we're, if we keep on being fearful of that, I think it's just going to either hold us up or it's going to put us in this rut and then we're going to feel not so great about it. Yeah. So true. Where can people find you and join your amazing community? Oh my gosh. Oh, it's like to hear you say that because I admire you so much. Um, uh, well, join us. I mean, I would say start on Instagram. Like we, that's the platform that we love. It is, um, it's me who runs it. So like, I can't wait. Say hello, <laughs> <It's> please. It is <laughs> me. Um, and I would love to, love to see you on there. So it's um, at quench.collective from there. Of course, you can get connected everywhere else or membership or website, et cetera, et cetera. And you choose the path that's best for you. Sometimes what's best for you is just hanging out and getting some inspiration from us over time. Um, and we really believe that when someone, for us, that means a lot when someone presses follow. Um, we actually don't believe in that, you know, we have that number at the top of our Instagram that says how many <laughs> followers we have. Like we actually don't believe in that. Every single one of those followers is a community member. So you would never have cool. to purchase one thing from us. You are a community yeah. member. And so we'll make sure that you know that and hopefully we can get connected. And, you know, I want to hear what like your late night Taco Bell order was back in the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe today. Maybe it's Taco today. Bell's <laughs> super influential. So yeah. Oh gosh. DM. <laughs> <laughs> The account. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> With that. Okay. Thank you so much. This is great. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> okay. I don't eat Taco Bell, but was anyone else craving Taco Bell during that episode? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I need to go get Mexican food stat. Hope you guys loved it. Grace, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You are one of a kind. And I'm so excited to continue to watch your journey in community building and helping others build a community that is meaningful and brings impact to them or their brand. As always, if you guys love today's episode, please make sure to give us a rating and review. I really want to get in front of more people in 2022. We started this podcast in 2020. And it's just exciting to see it grow. And anything that you can do to help us with that is amazing. So really appreciate your time, your consideration in helping us get reviews out there. And um, yeah, 
I'm so excited for the next guest that we have coming up. I will catch you guys in the next episode. Have a good one.